1: Well, if we haven't met, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. I'm so thankful that you've come, and it's a a joy and a pleasure of mine to lead our Bible study this morning. We are in a series on prayer, and prayer, just so you know, is one of the things that we would consider to be a... A spiritual practice, if you will. I don't like to use the word discipline because I always go back to like grade school days when I say spiritual discipline, it just feels so negative, but a spiritual practice for us. So if you're here in the room, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, there are many things that you and I can, can add to our lives that we can participate in, spiritual practices, if you will, that will draw us closer to God. That will draw us closer in relationship to him. That will draw us closer to understanding his will for our lives. It'll draw us closer in what God has planned for us. And there are many spiritual practices that we can participate in. We can do Bible study and Bible reading. Anyone read their Bibles this week? No shame. No shame. Okay. That's awesome. I'm doing a Bible reading plan. I'm terrible at it. I'm five days behind right now, right? Anyone, anyone, right? So, all the stuff, right? I try to catch up like on the weekend and I get buried in the week again. But Bible reading is a spiritual discipline or spiritual practice. Um, I would say fasting would be one. How about Sabbath and rest and quiet? Anyone enjoy quiet time? Any introverts in the room? Unite, let's go. (laughs) Love it. I don't know why God made extroverts. No idea. We're going to find out in heaven. Why, and Why I married one. That's more important. Oh my gosh. It's a thing. It's a thing. So, um, anyways, um, but that's, that's a spiritual practice. And, and another one would be what we just encountered just a few moments ago is worship. And you don't need a band here. I'm going to say this. You don't need a band. You don't need cool lights, which I love and haze, which I'd love, love. Right. You don't need all those things to worship. Right. You can worship like when you're uh, driving down the road in your car. You can, you can worship while you're sitting in a movie theater waiting for the movie to start. That sounds weird, I know. But listen, you can worship him. It's, just a, it's a place where we are in our lives, where we're just focusing upon God, and we're just worshiping. That's a spiritual practice. And then there's prayer, and there's many other. But this week and last week and the next few weeks, we're talking about the spiritual practice of prayer, and I really want us to get, get that settled inside of us that prayer is so important. Last week, we talked about the importance of prayer. That when, if, God, if what we said is true, what the psalmist writes, that when the righteous cry out to God, if he hears us and delivers us, if, if that's true, then we should be people who pray more. This last Friday, I got a chance to go to a chapel for Decatur Christian School. Any Decatur Christian School people here? Yay, <laughs> love it. My daughters went there in grade school, so it's sort of like I went back into their alma mater. It's kind of great. But um, I was invited by the superintendent of the school to join a number of other senior pastors in the community to go in for their chapel on Fridays, uh, this Friday, and pray over the students as they were embarking on a new school year. Who thinks we should pray over our students as they go back to school? Yes. Amen. Amen. So we go to Decatur Christian School and we pray. And um, we're, we're sitting around these students and every pastor got a group. Um, they just sort of barnacled themselves to you, right, and just followed you around. And so I had this group of students with me. And, and uh, I asked them this question. I said, how many of you students here wish you prayed just a little bit more throughout the week? How many wish you prayed a little more intensely? How many, how, many, how many wish you were a little more honest with God in your prayers? And, and so all their hands go up, right? So, so let's ask you guys this question. <laughs> how many people th- wish you prayed a little more, a little more intensely, but was a little more honest with God in everything that you did? Like, like it's just an ever-present part, part of your day. Okay, yeah. So they did it, right? It's just like you. If we were to pull everyone, we all agree that prayer is needed more in our lives. But the question is, why don't we pray more? And so last week, I tried, to underst- I tried to talk about that. It's incredibly important in Scripture. In almost every book of the Bible, there's prayer mentioned. You can see people praying in the Scriptures. It's important. We see that the lives of the disciples and the apostles, they all pray. Jesus himself prayed. It's important. And not only is it important, but one of the things that prayer does for us, it's so transformative for us. Like it changes things. The words of the psalmist is in fact true that God hears us and He changes things for us, and it happens through prayer. It doesn't happen through any other things. Or, or here's what you can do. Here's what you, if your situation needs change. Here's what you could try. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Write this down. You could do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right? You could do it yourself. You could use your resources. You've got the big enough check. You just write the check. You can fix your situation, right? And, and what happens is that you'll find yourself, you know, smack in the middle of a situation that a checkbook won't fix for you. That, that, that uh, no, no amount of, of, of people you know, uh, places you've been, none of those things are going to help you. There's only one thing that can help you. It's the Lord. And you're spiritually bankrupt because you have been fostering this withness, this togetherness with God through prayer, through worship, through Bible study, through church attendance. I'm so glad you're here through all of these things. And so God wants us to know him better. So we talked about prayer, it's important. Um, so why don't we pray? We don't sometimes understand the impact of that. Secondly, I don't think we pray much because we don't know how to pray. And that is my work today. I only have a few minutes left, so I'm gonna rush through all of this. I want to talk about how to pray. And to do that, I want to just talk about, um, I'm going to look into the Gospel of Matthew. If you have a Bible with you, there's two sections of Matthew I'll be reading from. Matthew 26 at the end of the Gospel and Matthew 6 at the front part of the Gospel. If you don't have a Bible, that's all good. There's one underneath the seat around you. You can use that. If you don't own a Bible, that's your Bible to take home with you. Merry Christmas. You can have it, okay? Happy birthday, whatever you need. Um, we'll put the words behind me on the screen. You can follow along t- there too, so that's no big deal. But as we look at these two passages of Scripture, I want you to notice two things. There's two prayers that Jesus was praying. The first one is this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the other one is called the Lord's Prayer. We'll talk about these things in a moment. But I want us to understand how to pray. And what I want us to see as I read as we read through this, that God is giving us sort of tips or um, uh, Tips is the only word I can think of, but like, like little helps to pray. When we look at Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, we'll see a, a pattern sort of emerge that will kind of lead us in our prayers. I don't want us to see that. And we'll see the same thing when we look at the template of prayer in the Lord's Prayer. So let's do this. Let me read chapter 26 of Matthew, verses 36 through 39. We'll read this little story of Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Starting here in verse 36, it says this. And then Jesus went with them, and the them is his disciples. He takes his 12 disciples up to a place called Gethsemane. It's a garden. It's a place they'd gone before. And he says to his disciples, I want you to sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he grabs Peter. He takes with him Peter and James and John, the two sons of Zebedee. And he begins to be sorrowful and troubled. Now pause here real quick. This is the eve of Jesus' arrest. Within 24 hours, he will have been flogged, beaten, and crucified. He'll be dead within 24 hours of this moment. And he, he knows this is coming. If you remember a while back, uh, last week we talked at a moment during prayer Jesus was encountered by Moses and Elijah and they begin to explain to Moses to Jesus rather what was going to take place they begin to explain to him that the crucifixion was coming and he's on the eve of this and Jesus in his spirit some way God is showing him he knows this is happening go back here in verse 38 then Jesus says to the, the Peter James and John my soul is very sorrowful even to death I want you to remain here and I want you to watch with me and just pray with me. That's what he's asking. And so Jesus leaves the 12 disciples over there, grabs three of them, Peter, James, and John, brings them with him. And then he leaves them, verse 39, and he goes off a little further from them three and he fell on his face and he began to pray, saying these words. And this is where I want us to focus My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Not as I will, but as you will. In this moment, in this prayer, we see probably one of the the most raw and unfiltered prayers in all of Scripture. In fact, it's one of the things I love about Scripture. And one of the reasons I think it's so true is because we see real things like this. If you're on the eve of your death, if you knew within 24 hours you'd be passed, would you say your soul is very sorrowful? Yes, I think we would if we knew. And so he's being very honest and real here. And that's the first tip, if you will, that I want us to take home from this prayer. That if we're going to learn how to pray, let's be, let's be honest like Jesus is here. I wrote this down. We need to be honest and ugly in our prayers. Anybody know what ugly truth is? Like it's it's so true, it's ugly. We need to pray ugly prayers more often. And Jesus does this. He says, That I want this cup to pass for me. Brother Lawrence was the 17th century um, monk. He said this, that we ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity, speaking to him frankly and plainly and imploring his assistance in our affairs just as they happen. Brother Lawrence, if you don't know his story, was a lay monk at a monastery in Paris, I believe, and he would oftentimes just wash the dishes, and while he was washing the dishes, he would just have moments of prayer and witness with God. He'd be out raking the grounds at the monastery, and he'd be so close to God that people would begin to travel from all from far distances just to sit with Brother Lawrence, just to hear his wisdom, because he seemed to just know what God was up to, and, and it was incredible. And he says when it comes to prayer that we need to be speaking to him frankly and plainly and implore his ins- his assistance in our affairs, just as they happen. He's like, in all things of your life, just tell God what's up, man. Just tell Him in everything. When you're raking the leaves, you're changing oil on your car or paying the guy $60 to do it, or is it $80 now? It's ridiculous. Like, who cares about electric cars or gas cars? Can we just get cars without oil? I'm just saying. That'd be a thing. No? All right, anyways. We just pray to God. When things come up, just tell Him as they happen. John Ortberg says this, that prayer isn't a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. Just be honest. You know who was good? Jesus. So he's got that locked up for you. You don't need to be good. Just be honest with him. Let's not perpetuate the desire to hide from God like Adam and Eve did when they hid behind fig leaves in the garden. Remember the story when they sinned against God and God comes walking through in the cool of the day. They covered themselves with fig leaves and hid from him because why? They were shameful. They'd sinned against God. They'd they'd rebelled against him and broke his commands and they hid. And we don't need to hide anymore. Say amen to that. There's no reason to hide from him anymore. And so we can be truthful to him. We can give him the ugly truth. We don't need an edit button. This is not an email you're typing to your supervisor when you're frustrated, right? That you're you're told to hold the 24-hour rule, right? Never send that email, bro. Like don't send that, right? This isn't that. There's no backspace here. No delete key. Just tell him, right? It would shock you to know he already knows anyways. So like, who are you fooling? Yourself only, I suspect. Just tell him and then give God the desires of your heart. Just tell him exactly what you feel. Jesus says these words, take this cup from me, right? The cup, as we've already mentioned, it's the cross. He does not want to go to the cross. Jesus is asking the father, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Do I have to do this? Is there any other way? If there's another way, let's do that. That is his desire. Like I'll submit to everything, Lord, but not this. And he just tells them, I wonder what it would look like if we, if we brought our desires to God, even when they're not according to his will. Oh, this is going to get real dark. Oh, Lord, okay. Lord, Lord, help, help, help. What if when, when you're thinking about something that you know you're not supposed to be thinking about, when you see someone walk by and you start having thoughts about that person, right? Maybe a coworker. I don't know, whatever. And you start thinking, what what about instead of just crying out, help Lord, I don't want to think lustfully about this person. Like, what if you just said, Lord, I really want that right now. Like, what if you're just really honest to God and just said, I want that thing that I know that I'm not supposed to have. And you stop pretending with him. You just told him like, like, I don't want my ex to be prosperous. Like I want her next like relationship to fail. I don't have an ex, but if I did, These are probably my prayers, (laughs) my private ones. What what, what if, if that's your deepest desire? Why, why fake it? Just say the thing. And then land where Jesus lands, but then land in God's trust. And then he says the words, but not my will, but yours be done. So he's honest. He's truthful. He's sorrowful. He's broken. He doesn't want to do this thing. He tells God his fullest desires. And he says, but not my will. God, but I trust you. Oh my gosh. Add those words to your prayers. I trust you. But I trust you. This very hour, a friend of mine's father is being transferred from a hospital in Chicago back home where he is, um, where they've made a bed for him that he might come home to the house he built and die. And, um. As I'm praying with, he has three sons, and two of the sons go to this church, and you might know them. But um, as I'm praying with one of the sons yesterday, um, all I could think about was how good God was. Like how, how good God is. His, this guy, this guy, Brett Cochran is his name. He loved Jesus more than anyone I probably knew. He's more prayerful than anyone I've ever known. He raised three boys and prayed for them. He has been a godly picture of a husband and a father to me as I was growing up in the church. This man is coming home to pass away. His son is telling me this as he's broken on the inside. And all I can think is how, how good God is because I've trusted the plan that God has for Brett. That they've done everything they possibly know to do, and the hospital can't do anything more. And they said, just take him home, and his body's shutting down. So, okay. So, at the end of the day, we can have desires. We want healings. We want all these things. But at the end of the day, we're trusting what God has done and continuing to do. And so, we look at the Gethsemane prayer, and we see this, that Jesus patterns this for us. or He gives us these little these tips that we, that we are honest and ugly with our truthful things, our desires, and then we trust him out of everything. I want you to know that every circumstance we run into in life, whether it be a passing of a, a family member or a loss of a job or a, a relationship breakup, hear me, everything we go through, right, the negative things and then the good things, like you get a promotion, you get, you get the girl, you get the wedding, you get the whatever, right, that you get accepted to grad school, the things you want, and every moment there's an opportunity to draw closer to God in it. Bad and good. Ignatius of Loyola says this, that we should not fix our desires, right, and we should bring God our desires. But we don't affix our desires on just health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or a short one. For everything has the potential of calling forth in us a more loving response to our life forever with God. He continues to say this. Our only desire and our one choice should always be this. I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening his life in me. That God, like, I, I surrender. I don't want this diagnosis. I, I surrender. I knew of a, a, a pastor one time who got diagnosed with brain cancer, a very terrible type of brain cancer. And I remember his prayer was I am blown away that God would consider me worthy to have brain cancer. I was like, Whew. what? Like he he's like submitted to God's plan and it's like and it's good all the way through because God's never not good. Say that. God's never not good. He's never not good. He's always good. And every opportunity is an opportunity to understand his will for our lives. So anyways, that's the prayer in Gethsemane. Now, uh, if you could turn your attention to Matthew chapter six, we'll look at the Lord's Prayer. This is a moment where Jesus was um, asked by one of his disciples, Matthew, or sorry, Luke 11 tells us this story too, because the Lord's Prayer is actually recorded in Matthew and in Luke's gospel. Luke's the shorter version. The Matthew version is the editor's cut, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Or the director's cut, it's a little longer, (laughs) right? So, um, but in, in Luke's gospel, it says that a disciple had came to Jesus and just asked this question, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Would you just teach us? And the Lord's Prayer is a response to that question. So let me read this. Um, some of you might know it, you might have memorized it, I think in the King James Version. I think Joe shared a story. Um, I won't go into that, but he learned the Lord's Prayer at his grandma, in his grandma's bathroom because she had embroidered it onto something, right? And every time he would go potty or whatever, his words, not mine, he would he would read the Lord's Prayer on this little embroidery thing at his grandma's house. So, anyway, starting here in verse five, I want to read this whole little section here. It says, "And when you pray, You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, Jesus says, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard with their many, many words. But don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And in verse 9, read this with me. This is the Lord's Prayer. Read it out loud with me. Would that be okay? This is going to be weird. I won't make you stand. Um, but pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Stop. Some of you might have memorized more, but we're stopping right there. So stop there. So that's the little part that that Jesus wants to lead his disciples in. And for us, it becomes a template or a framework on what prayer could look like. But back in verse 5, I want you to notice the one thing that Jesus says as he's teaching his disciples. He says these words, when you pray, and then gives some descriptors of what prayer might look like. Notice how he doesn't say, if you pray, but rather when you pray. There seems to be an expectation on the life of the Christian that we would be people of prayer. And so we need to make time for prayer. So this would be my encouragement from you or for you from me as your pastor. If this is your home church, I'm one of the pastors here. And please listen to me when I say this, I want you to pray more. Okay. I I want you to start now, start soon. And I want you to start small because we all know people who can just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And and you're like, Oh God, there's praying still. Right. (laughs) And we never want them to pray at dinners because we never eat. Right. The whole thing. (laughs) Right. Um, Start now and start small and and just get started. If it takes five minutes, if you just need a few moments in the morning to pray, that's what I'm asking you to consider to do. And then how do you pray? We're going to follow this little template. And because, and we pray for a couple of reasons too. Look here in verse six again. It says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Your father who's in secret and your father will see you. This is sort of interesting that, that Matthew uses that language and he will reward you. That there seems to be something that Jesus is saying here that God will hear you, he'll see you, he'll notice you, he'll take notice of you or whatever and he'll reward you. This goes back to, harkens back to like Psalm 34 that when the righteous pray, he hears and delivers. It's the same type of thing. Jesus is, is parroting that sort of language. This is why prayer is important to us, that God pays attention to us, he hears us, right, and he will reward us. And then he gives that little prayer, our Father in heaven, on and on and on. And all I want to do now is just talk, to use those few verses as just a template or a framework for what prayer could look like. Don Carson says this about the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll move into it. He says, he noted how ironic it is that in the context of the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus forbids meaningless repetition in prayer, and yet <laughs> no prayer has been repeated more than the Lord's Prayer <laughs> too often without understanding. That somehow it becomes recita- recitation to us. Uh, that's a big word for me. <laughs> um, we just repeat the thing because we think that is the prayer, and Jesus is like, that's not the prayer. The, the prayer is a template for the prayer. We don't want meaningless words. God doesn't care about meaningless words. That's, that's what the, the, the Gentiles do with the Gentiles and all of their different gods and all the Roman gods and the Greek gods and the pantheon of gods and all this. They just, they pray, pray, pray constantly to try to get God's attention. And it's like, that doesn't work. And don't be like the hypocrites and they try to go on the street corners and be noticed by everybody. Watch me pray. Look at me. Wait, wait, wait. Look at me. What I? No, he's saying, just be quiet before the Lord who sees you and hears you and will reward you in it. And this Lord's Prayer is not to just be recited as, as if it's some mantra or some like, like magic potion spell. It's a template for us. And he starts with these words, our Father who art in heaven or our Father in heaven. I want you to see that, God, that Jesus is telling us that our relationship with God, Jesus' favorite word for God was Father. And that Jesus is inviting us to have that same understanding and relationship with, with God as a father, which I know can be challenging for many of us with father uh, wounds or absentee fathers when you're children, whatever. But that's the relationship that, that, that Jesus wants us to understand that we have with God, that we are his sons and his daughters in Jesus Christ. We've been adopted into the family, and he is a father to us, which means he cares for us deeply. Not one of us fathers in the room who, when their young children come to them and ask them for things, was, was, would ever get upset if they messed the words up, right? Or didn't pronounce the words right, or didn't have good grammar or whatever. We just would lean into our children and say, yes, I hear you, sweetheart, and I'll answer your prayer, whatever I can do for you. And, and Jesus is saying, our God is a father like that for us. And he said, he's in heaven, which unfortunately in our culture makes us think that God is in a faraway place, like, and this is the place that you go when you die, it's in heaven, but the Greek understanding, the Greek word here is actually, it means more like the, the, the atmosphere around us. So hear me when I say this, that, that our Father, God, is in the atmosphere around us, that he is everywhere that we are. And so when we pray to him, he's here. And in fact, you could even use the language that when you breathe in, you're breathing in the very like, presence of God. I don't want to get too like, w- mystical into stuff, but, like, but God is here. And that's what Jesus is saying, that our Father in heaven all around us is there for you. And so when we go to God, we adore him. We say those things. God, you're great. You're amazing. I love you. I want to be around you. And, and all of the, and you just begin to, say, hallowed be your name. I don't know anyone uses that language these days. Anyone say, hallowed be your outfit to anyone at church this morning? <laughs> it's so awesome, right? Try that. I, I've heard to say, for all the single guys, if you would like to marry a good Christian girl, just say, hallowed be your outfit this morning, <laughs> right? Or if you want to stay single for the rest of your life, just say, hallowed be your outfit this morning. Um, but we just exalt the Lord. We just, we just praise him. And, and the first part of our service when we gather for worship is about that. We're just declaring the goodness of who God is, adoring him. Before we get to asking him for anything, before we get to anything else, we just adore the Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he um, patterns for us the acceptance of what God has for us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the place where we we settle like Jesus did. Not not my will but your will be done. So we adore God first and then we accept his goodness for us. We accept that whatever he has chosen is better for us than we possibly could imagine for ourselves. We accept those things. Your kingdom come, God, would be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And then here's our favorite part. Then we get to ask God for things, starting in verse eleven. Give us this day our daily breads. Forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. And now, now we can go before the Lord and just ask for things. Now I'm not. I don't need to really explain that. You know what that means? Because this is sometimes when we go to prayer with the Lord, we sometimes start with the list. God's not mad at lists. Again, I've already said, he knows what you need before you even ask. That's not the issue. And God can answer lists. He's great. But let's not treat him like an Amazon wish list, (laughs) right? Or some cosmic Santa Claus. Like if we just do the things right, right? Like we'll get the things from him. Posture yourself with adoration first. Posture yourself that God is good and accept what he has. Set your will aside and say, Lord, but I'll step into what you have for me now. Right? And, and you just begin to settle something inside of you. And then, then when you bring your list to him, your real ugly, truthful list, it's gross in all its beauty, right? Just ugh. like all the things you want and that's fine. Just lay them out before God. Just lay them out. This is the pattern that Jesus gives us. It's not wrong to ask for things. The brother of Jesus, James, says that you have not because you ask not. It's not wrong to ask for things, but it's important to get things in in the right perspective first. So um, I'm stopping early because we're going to do something brand new today. I'm so happy you're here today. (laughs) Everyone's freaking out right now. But um, we're going to practice this today. We're going to practice using the Lord's Prayer as a template. Okay, so I want to have the band come back out. I think they're back there. Everybody welcome the band back out. Yay. Here they come. We got time. We got, we got all kinds of time for this. Don't worry. I stopped early, right? It's, it's um, well, we've got time. Um, <laughs> the band's going to come back out. and They're going to play some music, right? And then we're going to go through those three sections of the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to pray the words, but we're going we're gonna to adore God. And TJ is going to lead us through adoration prayers. And when he prays, you can say things like this, amen, I agree with him. I think what TJ is saying is true. Amen, amen. Or, or, this is what I'm encouraging you to do, is while the band is playing, there's a little more music in the room. It's, It's not quiet. But you can, with your own words, hear me, with your own mouth, you could just say, God, you're good. God, you're good. You're good. I oh, I don't understand sometimes, but God, you're just good. Just say the words. We're going this is called lab. Does everybody remember like biology in, in high school? Like you had the textbook moment where you had to study and read, and then you had the hour of lab where you got to cut open the frog and like look at the stuff that was that was that was the in the book. Like this is that moment. I can't see anybody, David. Help me. I've lost them. This is that moment. We're gonna lab it up in here. Thank you. TJ TJ's gonna lead us in adoration, and then my, my friend John's gonna come out, and he's gonna talk about just following the Lord's will. And we're gonna give him just a few moments, just a few moments just to lead us, like uh, what's it look like to follow your will? You're, you're good. We could, okay, trust you, you follow, picking up what I'm putting down, yes, John's gonna do that for a while, and then my friend Kim's gonna come out, and she's gonna just like ask for things. I don't know what, who knows what, the Lord will lead her, I don't know, and while she's asking for things, I want you to ask for things. Just ask God for things. Like the, the, the things that you know no one can do, but only God can do, ask him for these things. Just stand there and we're gonna worship him just for these last few minutes. You can stay seated and close your eyes. There's no command in scripture that says you have to close your eyes when you pray. Did you know that, right? I oftentimes close my eyes because I get distracted when I pray. I just close my eyes. Sometimes when I lead public prayer, I leave my eyes open to see if anybody else does. And then it becomes like a staring contest. I'm like, oh, I ain't gonna blink now. I got you, right? But you can listen, David's gonna dim the lights in a little bit, the band's gonna play, TJ's gonna lead, John's coming out, Kim's coming out. Listen, pray, follow the Lord's template, right? God, you're great, God, I surrender, God, I need. Does this sound okay? I'm so happy you're here today. We're gonna be a church that prays and God is gonna hear us and he's gonna deliver us. He's gonna hear us, he's gonna see us and he's gonna answer prayers. And and, uh, 12 months from now, we're gonna stand and uh, and remember all the things that God has done this past year because we decided on this day that we're gonna be a church that prays now. So anyways, um, that's it. So okay, now you can bow your heads. David lights. Let's let's go.
2: Yeah, like he said, I encourage you to participate. Take the words that I say, put them to your own lips, your own terminology. Pray to God. And let's let's start here. Say this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Holy are you, God. You alone, you are holy, pure, perfect. We adore you We give you praise and glory and honor. God, we bow at your feet you are the one king, the one true king, the only one who can lead us, who can guide us, the only one who can destroy death, who can save us. Heavenly Father, you are all powerful, place the world in space. You put the stars alight. You and you alone have created everything that we know, including us, and we just sit at your feet. God, you are glorious. We worship you, give you praise. We adore you. We adore you, good and you are great you are majestic in majesty you're the only one deserving of our praise god and we give it to you to you alone nothing without you behind it you are worthy of our praise you are worthy of our praise you are worthy of our
0: Father, we come to you, and God, we want, we want your will in our lives, God. God, we, we've had plenty of our, our stuff. God, we, we just call and surrender to you, God, and just, just the ordinary day-to-day things in our lives, raising our kids, loving our spouses. And the jobs that we have, God, and the neighbors that we rub elbows with, God, we, we just ask your will be done, God. Your will be done in our lives, Father, that, that we surrender our own agendas and our own plans and our own, our own devices, God, just to have you step in and that we fall in line with what you want, with the way that you know that we should go. You know the plans, God, that you have for all of us, God. They're, they're amazing plans. There's nothing that, that you don't see, that you don't know, that, that you overlook. You're, you're in the middle of everything, and we just we invite you in, God. Father, I, I pray for our church, for Wren, here where we are in Decatur, downtown Decatur, God. We don't want our programs we don't want our agendas God we we want to walk with you we want what you want here for our city what you want here God God help us to to lay that down our own our own visions God to, to take up yours Lord to use us use Ren. We just ask these things, God, in Jesus' name.
2: Trust you, your will, your.
3: Lord, I ask that you would wound, that you would heal my wounded heart from the world today, from the world this week, God. I pray that you would replace it with your love, the love of John fifteen nine, where the Father loves the Son, that same love you love me with, God. Let me receive that love. And I pray, God, that for our city, I pray, God, that you would indeed come and rescue us God I pray that the love would go forth in this city like the river of life flows I pray God that people would love each other that we would turn to our brother and our sister and we would say God be with you God come and rescue us God remove the distractions from our lives Let us put down our phones, God. Let us look to you and adore you and ask and and just say, we love you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us. We want to see signs and wonders in this city. We want to see signs and wonders in this church. We want to know you better. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with that reality of the one thing, of 274, where we would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, let us walk, let us love, and let us see you. In your name I pray, amen.
2: for you still deserve it. You're worthy, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. I pour out my praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy, you're worthy. Come on. You're worthy of my song. I give you my worship. singing break.
1: Thanks for joining with us today we would love to pray for you and make a connection with you so please check out the church at home page at rendicator.org here you can ask questions request prayer find past messages and podcasts, or support renaissance through online giving we can't wait to hear from you